I love having conversations with people that challenge me, but also are just really fun to have at the same time. They're insightful, they're challenging, they're beneficial, they're mutually beneficial. And today's conversation was definitely just that for me. I went into it and I said in the beginning, the selfishly looking for nuggets on how to be able to slow down. And we dive into that topic as amongst other things as well. But the biggest thing was slowing down because sometimes, at least for me, that feels almost impossible because I've got so many things going on. And my guest today, Michael, he, he gave some really practical application as to how to integrate micro moments into slowing down, amongst other things. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the conversation for today of how the hell do you slow down when life seems so crazy? Men. We are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. Today, I'm actually really excited, uh, selfishly excited about today's guest because we were just talking beforehand a little bit. And one of my areas of struggle, I've got a lot of them, I'm human, but one of them for me is just with five kids and everything else I've got going on is learning how to slow down, learning how to pace myself and not burn out. And my guest today, actually had a pretty dramatic life event that catalyst that was a catalyst for him into wh what his passion now is, which is helping people do that very thing. So I'm hoping that you guys can benefit from it today. But selfishly, I'm looking to grab, you know, a handful of nuggets. And uh, so, Michael, welcome to the podcast. And I look forward to kind of diving into this topic of slowing down. Awesome, Josh. Uh, good to be with you. Been looking forward to this for quite some time. Just love what you're putting out into the world and really helping us dudes uh, yeah. learn that we don't have to be one dimensional, that there's a whole yeah. bunch of stuff brewing inside, maybe behind our body armor. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to diving in with you and talking about how to slow down and a whole bunch of other things I imagine as the conversation unfolds. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I was fascinated by your just your life story and and how your life I think for a lot of us just in life, sometimes things that can be dramatic can be a catalyst into our passions or things that we didn't may not have realized be were something that we'd become passionate about until we had to become passionate about it. So can you just just opening up, just share with my listeners, what got you started on this journey of mindfulness, slowing down, etc.? Sure thing. So I will start off much like you did. I'm still trying to figure it all out. So I don't have all, <laughs> all the answers either. But growing up, I grew up in upstate New York. And I did, I think I did the typical guy journey, like what I was supposed to do, following that script. You know, I was really into sports. I thought sports were was my ticket for recognition and dare I say love and appreciation yeah, from yeah. my parents and other people. So 
I got really good at sports. I, I was okay at school, but sports was my jam. So I really viewed myself as an athlete. And yeah, you, you know, you work hard in high school, you go to college, you meet someone after college, you start a career, you have a couple of kids, you work your way up the corporate ladder. So that script that I think a lot of us guys get at yeah. birth or teenage years or whenever we get it. I thought I was doing a pretty dang good job following it. And okay. I had reached a pretty high level in my company. I was a marketing director for a pharmaceutical company and we had a meeting out in New Mexico, one of those offsites, Monday through Friday type of thing where we do sure. team building and all that good stuff. And I brought my bike out. So I am an avid cyclist have been since the moment I came off of training wheels when I okay. was like five years old and I was training for a race and on July 11, 2001. So it dates back 20 years, yeah. 21 years. I came around a bend on this loop I created on the hotel property and a Ford Explorer was coming right at me crossed fully into my lane. It was so surreal, Josh. I was like, what, what's happening? Like, yeah, he's got to see me. Like he's going to move, he's going to move, but he was moving way too quickly. And I was traveling about 20 miles per hour myself. So yeah. after that it's physics, right? A massive collision. I remember everything about it. The sound I made when I went into his front grill, Okay. Uh, the sound I made when I went through his windshield and then the screech of his brakes. And then the thought I made when I fell off his hood onto the asphalt below. Yeah. As you can imagine, that knocked me unconscious. When I regained consciousness, I was surrounded by police, fire, EMTs. And I knew the situation was like a whoa, Nelly moment. Yeah. And yeah. Back then, since I wasn't really comfortable like expressing different emotions and dealing with like tough situations, I would use humor to cut the tension. Sure. So I asked the question that only another cyclist can totally appreciate. I was like, Hey, how's my bike? And um, they looked at me, they're <laughs> like, I go, your bike. They're like, your bike's fine. Which by the way, wasn't fine. It's totally demolished. Okay. They told me to breathe. I was trying to figure everything out and fast forward, they put me on the medevac to take me to Albuquerque. I had broken a whole bunch of everything. The femoral artery of my left leg was lacerated. So I was losing a ton of blood. I spent close to five days in the ICU, came out of the ICU. Doctors painted this pretty grim picture of my life. Okay. You know, their predictions were, Probably not going to walk well again, not going to get on the bike ever again based on your injuries. So you should be just lucky that you're alive, Michael. You know, that was the message. Wow. Wow. And I remember when I was on the helicopter flying to Albuquerque, I told whoever was listening, I said, okay, here's the deal. If I live, because that was really in question, I could feel it because I yeah. was in so much pain. I was like, if you save my life, I promise I'll stop chasing my happiness. Wow. That's what I would do, like corporate life. And again, I think this is something that we buy into is that our happiness is on the other side of that promotion or current day, how many followers you have or the house or 
what your kids do and all that jazz. And so when they told me about what my life was going to be like, I was like, well, I can't even spell happiness. And the thing that made it hard was my identity as an athlete, as a provider, as a leader at work had been flipped upside down and yeah. shaken violently. Yeah. And I was like, why did this happen? Like, how, like, I'm a good person. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? That was sort of my narrative. Okay. Why did this happen to me? And then the rest of it was like, I, they flew me back to New Jersey. And then I had a moment when I knew I had to heal my mind in order to heal my body. Okay. And that very next morning was the first morning with mindfulness. I did a box breathing pattern. And just to slow everything down because the whole the whole thing was so overwhelming. I couldn't I couldn't process it and I was yeah. freaking out. And so I just knew as an athlete that your breath is so important. So I was yeah. like, all right, let's go back to my breath. Again, knowing nothing about mindfulness or meditation back then. Yeah. Except I thought it was a little woo woo ish, like a little soft. Sure. Like Real, real men don't do this. And, yeah, but I was yeah. like, I'm desperate, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try anything because I, I got to get out of this hospital. I want to try to get on with my life. Yeah, it's interesting how when your life is literally on the line, you don't really care so much about stereotypes as you care about effectiveness for things. <laughs> it it changes that. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, I'm, um, you know, and the thing is. I didn't tell anyone I was doing it. Okay. Like I, I was, I was like, I'm just going to do this and we're going to see how this works. So I did it one day and then it, it worked. And I was like, Oh, we'll do it tomorrow. And then we'll do it the next day. And yeah. for the longest time, eventually I left the hospital, went back to my career, but with a different script, a different perspective. So I wasn't like on the hamster wheel, you know, just spinning. Yeah. But even with all that, even how my mindfulness practice was making a difference in my life, I still didn't want to talk about it with my corporate colleagues or my bosses because, you know, back then it was still considered a little woo woo or feminine or yeah. soft. So I just kept it a secret until I left my corporate world and started the next chapter of my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I personally, I think that men embracing that softer side is important to acknowledge and to explore and to be willing to just embrace as a well-balanced, well-grounded man. Because I think you touched on something that, I mean, you glazed over it, but as far as men using sarcasm at, to create that sense of shield, right? So if I if I use sarcasm to deflect people from that softer core of who I actually am as a man, then I don't I, I protect myself a false sense of security of protecting myself and not actually getting hurt because if I never let you see the real me, then I never let you hurt the real me. Even though it creates this shallow shell of of things that really matter in life. So absolutely, and I did did that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of us men, I, uh, especially in the Marines, right? I, for me, it was like, talk about an environment where emotion is weakness, and you just mind over matter, or you don't mind, it doesn't matter, like all of that. 
And, and I think when you're training for the military, where you're literally going to kill other people, there is a component of that that is necessary. It's not healthy, but it's necessary, right? But learning how to unwind that and and reprogram my own mind has has been a journey for sure. So I'm curious because you know you you had been doing well in the corporate world. Obviously, you had this massive life event that essentially forced you. It sounds like to slow down. You didn't have a choice. And then turning to box breathing, etc. But not everybody gets hit by a car, right? <laughs> Hopefully, not everybody. And, and so I, I'm just curious why you think people feel. I, I, how do I put it? Almost an obligation to stay in that rat race, that faster pace, and not slow down. Like how can how can other guys listening to this not get hit by a car to learn the importance of slowing down and incorporating whether it's breathing or yoga or whatever it may be to slow down and embrace that softer side? Yeah, that's a great question, Josh. I think the universe or whomever sent me the Ford Explorer because I was ignoring the hints prior uh, to yeah. that day. And I think we all have those hints popping into our lives. And yeah, I don't want anyone to get hit by an SUV. Sure. Right? Too many people are hit by SUVs and cars nowadays anyway. But I do believe that we know the hints, like we know those moments, we can feel them in, in our body, we feel the stress, even though we might have our body armor on, we still feel it, right? That's when we double down on the armor. And we use yeah, yeah. a little sarcasm, a little humor. So I have greater faith in us creatures, us humans, that we know what's happening, for the most part. And then we come up with ways to protect ourselves or hide or however you wish to talk about it. So I think as you pay attention to those hints, then you can step into maybe a practice of yoga or mindfulness or something else that is, is self-care basically in that, in that realm that's yeah. good for your head, it's good for your heart, good for your body. I think the reason why we don't is that we have a story around what has got us to this point in our lives and to adopt something new like this requires shifting your story. And there is a worry there to say, well, if I start doing something like this or something maybe completely different, will I still be successful? So there is a faith, if you will, uh, or a belief to say, okay, what got me here isn't going to help me get me there. Yeah, I have yeah. To play the, I have to play the game differently. I, everyone out there still to this day, for at least critical mass, is playing the game the same way we played it three years ago. Yeah. Hustle and grind, you know, be tough. And I think this moment in time, after all that we've been through as a planet, as a country, as communities, it's an invitation to all of us, not just guys, to play the game differently. But we have to lose that narrative that if I do something like this, I won't be less successful in my job. And that's the narrative or in life, that's the narrative we hold on to. It really opens up the door to be more successful or successful in a different way. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's a something I exercise I like to do with my clients, which is to to literally start by defining what success is for them. And a lot of times they'll default to that old story, right? And and then respectfully, lovingly, I say, okay, but that's what your definition of success has been. And you're meeting with me because you're not happy. So there's there's a mismatch between your your perceived definition of success and what real success is. So let's dive into what is that success. And most, you know, most of the time it's connection with my wife, it's time with my kids, it's creating uh, shared experiences with friends and family. It's those kinds of things that are, I mean, obviously you still need to pay the bills, right? But chasing this narrative of success, you know, one thing I love to do to throw people a curveball, especially guys, I feel like women are, are more attuned to this uh, answer than guys are, but I'll just ask them, you know, so who is Michael, comma, separate from what you do? Like, take away what you do. Now, who are you? And nine times out of 10, they're like, uh, you know, I, I'm a coach, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm That's all the shit you do. Like, who are you? And when they can't answer that, it's a little bit of a wake up call to, you know, kind of an aha moment of, man, I, I haven't really looked at who I am. I haven't slowed down enough to find out who I actually am. And then you begin to peel back those layers of, oh, I've been doing these coping mechanisms and these checkouts and this numbing and this and that and that and that just to not look at that. Because a lot of times that's where our pain lies, our disappointment, our trauma, our lack of love, whatever it may be. And we just don't want to face that, right? We don't want to look at that stuff. So if we stay busy enough to not feel anything, then that that is this perceived thing of success. But then you're a millionaire all by yourself. Nobody really knows you. You're divorced twice. And great, you got a big house. Congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the big house only takes you so far because if you're fortunate to have kids, if you've wanted kids and have kids, you get to a point in your life that that big house feels really empty yeah. when the kids leave the house, right? So there's there are stages in life. And if we want to live a life where our last step on this planet is one of our best ones, you know, I want to, I always want to finish strong, right? Yes, I, I yes. I rode my bike across the country last year and my intention, my vision for myself as I did this ride was that my first pedal stroke and last pedal stroke would be equally strong. Like wow. I wouldn't be yeah. limping across the finish line. Yeah. And we do so much of that, I think, in life where we just throw ourselves into our career. And eventually, whether you're 50 or 60 or 65, whenever you happen to hang up your cleats from your corporate life or your entrepreneurial journey, there's still 30, 35 more years to live. How do you wish to live? Yes. What's the quality of your emotional and mental health? What's the quality of your physical health? What's the quality in, this is what I love about your show and what you're bringing, Josh. What's the quality of your relationships? Because yes. we know this, that our relationships drive our happiness. And for a lot of us guys, the relationships we have at work, I will be the first one to say, a small percentage of them 
a small percentage of them will be with you once you leave that company. So you have to work on developing relationships outside of your place of employment and making sure they're strong as they possibly can be. So when you do move into other phases of your life, you have a sense of community, you have a sense of belonging, because that sense of belonging does drive later in life your definition of success and happiness. Yes, yeah. And I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I've always set a standard of those relationships I build outside of what I do. And like you said, there can be cross-pollination. I agree with that 100%. But even within that cross-pollination, for it to last, more times than not, there's been vulnerability involved in some capacity and or inconvenience. Like my my closest friends are inconvenient at times, but it's it's a reciprocal, right? I mean, I have a friend who, when I literally was going, I was going through my divorce, one of my lowest point, points in my life, had a gun to my head and called him up. He's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. That wasn't practically convenient. Right. And now he's going through something. And I'm like, I've got all this going on on my land and five kids and da 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 da. And I'm going to drop what I'm doing. I'm going to spend the weekend with you because he's going through some stuff. And so I, I feel like that depth comes with a combination of vulnerability and our inconvenience. It, it may be the wrong word to use, but going out of your way with intentionality to, to build that depth that, like you said, creates that happiness. Now, but I'm curious. Yeah. For us guys, right, because that's who we're speaking to today, uh, why do you think, in your opinion, why, why do you think it's so scary to slow down? Great, great, great question. I think it comes from the narratives that we've developed over time, whether they come from authority figures, parents, society, of what it means to be a guy and some, I think, influencers current day that glorify a hustle culture. And part of the hustle culture is getting getting more, like more money, more stuff, more status. And I'll be the first one to say, like, money is great. I think you should know what money means to you. Like, why are you pursuing it? Mm, Because there will always be another dude with more money. So for me, my relationship with money has changed over the course of my life. So it's not, you know, it still matters because I want to have experiences in my life and that takes some money. So at climbing the corporate ladder, so you have, say, influence, you can make an impact, still good. So those just by themselves are not bad. It gets unhealthy when we just singularly focus on that and we lose ourselves and we we don't rest. We don't take a break. And then we have maladaptive ways of handling the stress that comes in when we're hustling 24-7, 365. We lose connection with others. We lose connection with ourselves. So I think some of it comes from society. Some of it comes from maybe parents and what we want to bring to our families and our lives, maybe stuff that we didn't have growing up or authority figures. But ultimately, we're responsible. We we get to decide. So 
there are plenty of messages out there in the world. We don't have to embrace all of them. So ultimately, when we have awareness and a mindfulness practice can help us build awareness and a little space for us to say, how do we wish to show up in the world? How do we wish to be? What kind of ripple do we want to put out into the world? So I want to pursue money. I want to pursue status. Here's why. And come up with a a healthier narrative on that. Even someone like Gary Vanderchuk, right? So way back, Gary V was huge on hustle culture. One of the birth fathers of hustle culture. Yep. And you'll, you'll notice if you follow his feed, he talks about different definitions of success more than ever before. He talks about slowing down and, you know, making sure you care for yourself. So he doubled down on this hustle piece, but as he ages and his business starts to reach a different part of its life cycle, he is also taking a moment to uh, maybe readjust how he's looking at success and the impact he's making in the world. And I think that's an opportunity for all of us guys, regardless of what age we're at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. And yet I feel challenged by it because using your example with with Gary Vee, you know, I mean, there's a lot I've learned from marketing, et cetera, from him. And, you know, I can't help but pose the question because because you're saying, yes, the life cycle of his business, he's now at a place where he's slowing down or changing his definition of success. But then the other side of that is he's able to do that because he hustled and built somewhat of a financial pad and platform where he can do that, right? So I think what I'd be curious from you to hear is, because I mean, you've, and and we'll get into like the app that you've launched and and you got a lot going on. So there there is an aspect of, you know, getting the train started. It takes way more energy to start a train than once it's running, you know, it takes very little effort to keep all of that weight and that momentum going. So how does, you know, somebody who's, let's say that they're in their 20s or early 30s, and they're, they're somewhat in the rat race, or maybe they, they, they're wanting to transition into being an entrepreneur, and taking that leap, knowing that it does take that energy and effort to get things going. How do you regulate? I'm, I like I have my own ways of doing it, not always well. I've burnt myself out before and had to climb back, et cetera. Uh, so it's an area that I'm in my own life constantly trying to find ways to improve. But what would you say to those those men specifically that that have to juggle that, you know, you can't just sit on the couch and the universe is going to provide. Obviously, that's an unhealthy extreme. And you can't work 20 hours a day and hustle and hustle and grind, that will burn you out. Like, what does that middle ground look like to be able to build a brand or launch a company and still have a sense of balance and still lead to that, you know, a sustained success in the sense of whatever that definition is for you, but to get that train moving. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think, yeah, Gary Vee is like an extreme example. There's, you know, Gary Vee is well known. There are not many Gary's out there. Sure. Right? Yeah. One of the one guy on the tip of the spear, you know, like spear around all, all of this. So I think if you're in your 20s, say you're even in your 30s, I think 
what's important before you get after it, right? Because nothing to your point, Josh, is going to happen if you're just sitting on the couch gaming or scrolling, right? Sure. So you might get lucky. Maybe a unicorn knocks on your door, but <laughs> probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? Like if you if you have big goals, if you really want to crush it, you want to make an impact, is to set up a solid foundation. And mm. I would say a solid foundation is, do you have relationship health, right? So do you have people in your community, people around you, basically people who bring out the best in you. So one, make sure your relationship wellness, as I would say, is solid. Uh, what's your physical health like? Get that solid. What's your emotional and mental health like? Get that solid. Understand what your values are so you can live a values-based life and a sense of purpose or passion. Now, some, some of those things like purpose may be hard to answer when you're 23. Sure, like I, yeah. I didn't, know, I didn't know the answer to that at 23. I could come up with someone something if I was tested, but I really didn't know. Because yeah. there's so much that we really don't know. So whatever that formula is for other guys, make sure you lay down a solid foundation. What we don't know about Gary, maybe we do if you go back to his early, earlier videos, is like what kind of foundation did he set up? Like, mm. you know, he had a strong family dynamic, right? Because yeah. he started off with a family business. So set your foundation, make that as strong as possible. You know this building a house, building your property, like you got to build on a solid foundation. Yeah. From there, you can be really clear on why you're pursuing what you're going to pursue, why you're going to put in all those hours. The people around you, you can explain that to them. Say you're in a relationship and you're hustling because you want to create a better life for your partner or your family or what have you. So there's clarity and how you're going about doing this. And again, back to that point, it's values-based. So you know the values that you wish to honor. Mm. So yeah, I I still to this age still do a lot. It's not to become famous. It is to make an impact in this world that I think is about goodness and kindness and health because I believe if we can show up this way, we can hear, see, and appreciate or even love each other more to help heal what needs to be healed in this world. So that purpose or that passion, that's for me, that's a big thing. So do I work a lot? Yep. You know, I still get after my physical health and riding my bike and all those other things. So even to this day, I'm still putting in the hours, but I'm putting in the hours from a solid foundation. So I think mm. you can have, you can, you can thread the needle or find that harmony or find that balance, whatever word you want to use. Yeah. So I know I'm going to work hard. I think you've mentioned this on your podcast before. You can't sprint a marathon. So there are times where I'm sprinting, but I also know there are times when I'm, you know, hitting pause, yeah, resting, recovering, and then I go back at it. So I think it's in that spirit you can you can really like lay down a solid game plan, but it's got to be built on a solid foundation. If you're just hustling 
the hustle, if you're just a hamster on its wheel without a solid foundation, that most likely is a ticket to burnout. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I, I would add to that is patience. I, I feel like that there's, yes. I mean, so much of uh, today's society makes you feel like you're behind and it creates this false sense of urgency. And if you're in your 20s or 30s, I know Gary's alluded to it and some other people have as well, but just understanding that in the scope of your life, if something takes three years or five years to build without you burning out versus one year with an expectation that you're going to crush it and then you burn out anyways, and then you have to start that train all over again. I mean, just being willing to have some patience and know that lasting success takes time and to, to go back to kind of the, the core topic for today is I think it also requires that self-awareness, right? Is it, it, everything that you said doesn't happen, do, you don't find that balance without some level of self-awareness and attunement, whether it's like your, your physical health. Well, should I should not eat pizza. Dairy doesn't sit well with me. I end up on the toilet, right? I just, but I, I could I could be oblivious to that and go, man, who cares? And then I can pay the price for that down the road, or I can become self aware and go, you know what? Gosh, I love pizza, and every now and then I'm going to pay the price. But in general, I should not do that, right? And and or getting out and riding the bike or whatever it may be. And and I I just feel like that that whole component of slowing down enough to pause and and find out what's going on in your inner world, whether it's your physical health. I, I mean, I say that everybody has PMS. So emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. You have those four components, right? Going on and you find that balance. It takes time. You, you need to be patient and not expect that. It's like, okay, I listened to this podcast and now I'm going to go put together a game plan for the next six weeks and I'm going to transform my life. Right. Be willing to like give yourself a little bit of patience and grace and understand that it takes time to get get that balance and find it, starting with slowing down and becoming self-aware. Yeah, I love that, Josh. I yeah. go ahead. So one thing I want to share with your listeners, it's a it's some advice that I got when I left my corporate life. Uh, a mentor shared with me, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Yes. And we, it's so easy to do like that whole comparison thing. And I forget who said it, but comparison is the thief of joy, thief of right? Joy. So we yeah. see people, especially on social that seem like they're crushing it. Right. And, but they, but they've probably been doing it for a while. Yeah. And so they've gone through some of the hard knocks and the hiccups and, and they've tried to be patient with themselves as they as they're pursuing what they wish to pursue. So I would say don't yeah, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle and I just love what you said about patience, which is really it's about how do you handle moments when there's a setback or a hiccup. You and you can go with the flow as opposed to getting all irritated, anxious or aggravated by it. So yeah, it's like goes back to the same story of like, do your own game. Like, you know, you do you boo, as they say, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. I sit in a similar sense. 
and maybe this is the same kind of a question, but I'm just curious for you, practically speaking, because I, I love to, a lot of this is conceptual, but practical as far as integrating it into your life, right? How does somebody, let's say that it's that 20, 30 something guy and he he's going, oh my gosh, I never realized that I slowed down or I need to slow down. That might be scary to me. That might be foreign to me. I'm not exactly sure the self-awareness sounds great, but practically nuts and bolts, how how would someone begin that journey of slowing down or of becoming self-aware, becoming mindful, however you want to put it? What what are a couple super practical, I can implement it this week, this month, this year, things that they could start to do? Yeah, great question, Josh. And a lot of the work I do, especially when I talk with guys, because I'm on a mission to bring more men into having a practice of mindfulness. Although when I talk to them, I don't talk about mindfulness or meditation. Okay. I really use the word breath work because, you know, us guys, we like to work. So the whole concept of breath work, I think is one that many men can wrap their arms around. So I think it begins here, getting in tune with what's happening in your body when you're stressed now mm. stress you know it has two sides of that coin you know there's some good stress yep like when we go after it on the gym right we are purposely stressing our body in order for it to grow and then there's that bad stress that we look at so when we're feeling overwhelmed stressed burnt out irritated a whole host of different emotions we can feel it in our bodies before sometimes it even gets put out there into the world. So the first step that I recommend to everyone is just get in tune with what's happening in your body when you are experiencing different emotions. So we'll just use stress as an example. So where do you feel stress? So it could be in your chest, it could be in your shoulders, it could be a tension headache, you could Keep it in your jaw. That's where I keep my stress okay. in the jaw. Okay. So when my jaw is tight, you can feel it in your stomach, your hips, wherever. So that is a canary in the coal mind for you to say, okay, I'm feeling some stress. I'm going to slow down. And my approach with the whole concept of pause, breathe, reflect is that one minute matters. You know, for people really getting after it, if you tell them, all right, do a 10 minute meditation or a, a 20 minute yoga routine in the morning. They're like, I don't got time. I got you know, yeah, five yeah. kids got to get them out to school. And the whole concept of like, well, just wake up 15 minutes earlier is like a no go with a lot of people too, <laughs> because it's like, I'm not getting enough sleep as it is. Like, yeah, like I can't wake up at three 30. I guess you could, but most people don't practically don't setting want yourself to, up for success that. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the way I designed pause, breathe, reflect was one minute matters. So if I'm feeling stress throughout the day, like I'm going coast to coast, I will take a minute before my next meeting and just pop into a box breathing pattern or some of the other breath work that's on the app. And that one minute can tell your body, tell your mind, okay, let's slow it down. The heart rate tends to lower, maybe there's a little bit of a dip in your blood pressure. 
And now you have some space to think because if you really want to get to that next level or your definition of success, you have to make wise decisions. You can't do it in a reactive mode. So the big thing is like, know where in your body you feel stress. That's the invite to you to say, okay, let's just take a minute to slow it down. And you can do this anywhere. Yeah. Go into the bathroom in line at Starbucks, stuck in traffic before your next meeting, as I just mentioned, uh, before or after a workout, uh, in the morning when you first wake up, at night before you hit the pillow. Like we have all these like one minute intervals throughout the day. So I tell a lot of people like, listen, so you don't have 10 minutes in the morning? Cool. I'm not gonna ask you for 10 minutes in the morning but I know you have 10 times throughout the day where you have a minute. Yes. And I, I want, I want you to give me your 10 minutes, one minute at a time. Okay. And you can do it with your eyes open. You can do it with your eyes closed. I feel like you can do it on your property outside of Austin or in midtown Manhattan with all the crazy. Yeah. Right. So you should be able to drop in and find your breath wherever you might be. And just slow it down. And the point of reflection is, hey, what am I grateful for in this moment? Like, I can even be grateful for the muddy moments because I know those lead to the most growth I've ever seen in my life. Or it could be, what, what is called for now? What's next? What's my next move? So you had an episode a while back on burnout. And that was one of the questions, basically, is like, what can I do next? And so that moment of reflection is what makes sense for me in terms of what to say or do next? And so now you're being really intentional and really purposeful and thoughtful about how you're showing up in life. That's going to help you make better decisions. That's going to help you build momentum and put you at least in the position to have more success in your life. I love that. Yeah. So, so basically micro breaks. If you can't block set times, break it down for little moments. And I, I think probably the best example I can think of for that is actually my mom. She's both in pausing and in gratitude. It's a potent combination. And I know sometimes, you know, oh, just gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Well, there, there's a reason it's being talked about more and more because of what it does for you from a chemical standpoint, from, from a stress standpoint, et cetera. But my mom was on a, driving out to my grandpa's farm in Illinois and out in the, literally in the middle of nowhere, got a flat tire and she was by herself stuck on the side of the road. And she had so ingrained gratitude into who she was. She paused in that moment. So, you know, older lady by herself side of the road. And she was telling us this story. She said, you know, the only thing I could think of, but it made me laugh was I sure am glad I don't have diarrhea right now. Right. Like you, you can always find That's something awesome. to be grateful for is the point. Right. And and if you can't, that's a big tell that maybe gratitude is not a part of your life the way that it should be in a healthy way. And for me, what I love is if you want to accelerate some of this, to, just to throw another practical in here, is I, I think that what you're talking about, I love because it's adding these these moments of slowing down. So there, there is this, there's this aspect of adding something that helps you become more self-aware and slow down. 
But then there's the other side, if, if sometimes it's even more of an accelerant is to remove something from your life that helps you kind of keep up that mask or that busy state. And I like to say, you know, if you think that you're not addicted to anything, just remove it from your life for a week and see what happens, right? Whether it's social media, your phone or working out or drinking or you name it, right? Go down that list, those coping mechanisms that we may not even associate with a negative context. Remove it for a week and you're going to find all these things that you've been suppressing unintentionally, inadvertently. And so I think maybe in conjunction, you know, trying for a week to remove something and then trying these one minute micro pauses can be a really potent conversation or uh, blend to help people realize or just become start that journey of becoming more self-aware. I love that. That's a really that's a really cool, powerful combination, Josh. And the one thing I wanted to pick up as you were talking about your mom is I do talk to guys about this. They're like, well, do you want me to just bottle everything up and like make it unicorns, rainbows and Skittles? And I'm like, yeah. no, that's not that's not what we're talking about. So we're not going to just put a happy face on it and deny natural emotions. We as creatures, as human beings are going to get upset. We're going to get angry. We're going to get irritated. Now, how we look at life, what lens we look through, can help us maybe not get so triggered by everything that's happening under the sun and yes. maybe just get triggered or upset on the things that truly matter in life. That That's part of the work, if you will. But I still get upset. I still get pissed off and angry. And so sometimes what you need is a moment, just let it out, let it go if you will, I call it letting stuff go from your backpack, like unpack your backpack. And then, then maybe that first minute is just that you just dumping crap out. And now yeah. you can get to the place where your mom's at, where, Hey, I gl I'm glad I don't have diarrhea right now. <laughs> so like, sure. so you, then you can get into gratitude. So I don't want anyone to think that we're denying or bottling up stuff. Because us guys, we've bottled up stuff for far too long. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. one of the things that we're dealing with. That's why our suicide rate is higher than women. That's why our dependency on alcohol and other forms of addiction are higher than women. We have a mental health crisis on our hands with us guys because we've been bottling things up and reaching to unhealthy ways of dealing with our stress. So feel the feels, be angry, right? You're not, you don't have to personalize it, but you can feel the emotion of anger. And then you can shift that narrative and step into gratitude or maybe a different way of looking at things, again, to slow everything down. So that's one thing I always try to underscore is, I don't want guys bottling things up. I want to give them a healthy way to release yes. the steam that's within yeah. all of us from time to time. Yeah, Mo moving that emotion through your body is so valuable because I, I think that is that's a catalyst for so many things, right? I, I there's there's been times for me where it's like I we have screaming moments in our house, right? Where and my wife's not crazy about it, but she also understands it is where sometimes I can feel from my kids that they're, they're just flustered. There's a lot going on in this house. Right. And so it's like, all right, 
the next 30 seconds, everybody can scream as loud as they want. And they're just, ah, just, just letting it out. And then amazingly after that, now it's not the end all be all cure all, but then we're all laughing and it changes the mood because they were able to move that through their system rather than to, to bottle it up and suppress it. So I, I love that point for sure. Two quick questions for you to kind of summarize some things up a little bit. One, I'm just curious, what is it you love about riding bikes so much? I love the freedom and I love, I love you can go almost anywhere and you see things differently at that pace than you do in a car. And the other point is that it's a way for me to test myself physically and mentally. So yeah. there, there's a little bit of like inner, uh, inner thing going on, but also just more of like the outside world. And I th personally, I think cycling is life because okay. you are doing it outside in the elements there are hills and downhills. There are headwinds and crosswinds. It's raining. It's hailing. It's snowing. It's sunny. It's hot. It's cold. And you're doing it on 18 pounds of whatever material in a thin piece of Lycra. Yeah. You're almost naked. Yeah. And for me, it's life, right? So there are no timeouts. There, there are no quarters. There's no... Like you got to figure out a way to keep pedaling. And for me, cycling is life. I yeah. know it on Ted Lasso, for the Ted Lasso fans, they have heard that football is life, but I don't think that's true. I love football. <laughs> okay. I love soccer, you know, but it's, it's, but it's on this like pitch or field that's, that's already been predefined for you. There are quarters, there are timeouts. Cycling's not like that. It's wide open, no timeouts. You're cycling naked out there and in all the elements. And there's something like wickedly cool about that. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And from an emotional standpoint, I know that for me just now, I'm a kid from the 80s, right? So I was kind of a latchkey kid in that sense. And when I got, when I was able to ride my bike, that was freedom. That equaled freedom for me. And so as an adult, you know, we, a lot of us talk about negative triggers and I've got an episode on identifying positive triggers and normally those correlate back to your childhood, et cetera. I think it's interesting how, you know, you cycling is life for you and you found it at a young age where I think you, you touch on that freedom and intentionally exposing yourself to those positive triggers is equally as important, maybe even more important than being willing to identify and work through those negative triggers that you have as well. So I absolutely love that. Last question, when I'm asking all my guests this now, is you got one billboard, one billion people see it. What does it say? Breathe. Mm. Yes. Breathe. Like, we don't know how to breathe. Yeah, you know, on this planet. I just think I was just sharing with some clients earlier today before we got on. They were talking about going a million miles an hour. I said, listen, I'm not asking you to go 10 miles an hour. I'm just saying that 
you're going to see your world differently if you go, say, 700,000 miles an hour versus a million miles an hour. Okay. I just want you to breathe a bit, like slow it down, create some space. I believe that if the 8 billion of us on this planet, on this big blue marble that's traveling through space, could take, could take a minute to breathe each day, like really intentionally slow down. I think we would have a lot, a lot less drama and we'd, we could find a way to not necessarily agree with each other. We're, we're never going to agree with each other, Yeah, but we can, we can see the humanity in each other. We can hear someone out. We can see them. We can appreciate them as someone in our community and hopefully heal what needs to be healed. I think we have a lot of unprocessed pain that's coming out as anger. Mm -hmm. And I think our breath can be a wonderful healing power or tonic or salve, however you want to look at it. So I would invite everyone to breathe. Yes. Yes. I love that. And on that note, right, you do have an app. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what that app is, kind of what it does, and then whatever else that you have going on. We'll obviously have links in the show notes for everybody to be able to find it. But what exactly is it? Yeah, thanks for giving me this opportunity, Josh, to share the story. It was awesome to sit down with you. So the app is Pause, Breathe, Reflect. It's yeah. at the Apple Store and Google Play. All you got to do is type in those three words meditation and gratitude app in it there's some breath work and there are meditations that run a minute two minute three minutes and five minutes and ones that are a little bit longer but our core is a daily five minute meditation and a whole bunch of shorter practices so you could have those micro breaks throughout the day and i also do a live practice monday through friday so because i believe that many of us thirst for a sense of community and belonging, right? So if you've ever been to a concert, you know, going to the concert is a totally different vibe than live streaming the concert. Sure. Right. So yeah, uh, you have, you have girls, I know. So if you went to Taylor Swift in person, <laughs> that is a wild experience. Listening to Taylor on Spotify or streaming her concert into your computer, still cool because Taylor's cool, but it's not the same experience, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still awesome, but so I do live practices Monday through Friday as well. So it's I make it really affordable. It's only $23 for the whole year, this year of 2023, and it's really an invitation just to Keep on coming back to your breath. Like every time you feel a sense of stress and overwhelm, slow down, come back to your breath, begin again. For me, and I used it throughout my corporate career and now my entrepreneurial life and with so many clients, it's the way to help you make better decisions that will lead to your definition of success. And mm. I do it in a very secular, it's not woo-woo very practical coming from a corporate executive perspective and I try to make it fun. And so I believe you can do this anywhere and everywhere and I hope people will try it out. 
Okay, awesome. Well, uh, for the record, sometimes listening to Taylor Swift with three girls uh, is a pretty intense experience in and of itself. So just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Not the same as a concert. Uh, hey, I've but... been to... Yeah, I've, I've been to a couple... Like, I have two daughters, so I've been to a couple KK concerts, and it's, you know, it's 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 a it's a thing so it's, yeah. it's pretty intense so uh yeah but um so but yeah so whatever concert like is your jam <laughs> yeah. yeah my feeling is like go go listen to music and dance like no one's watching so it's yeah cool. there you go awesome well hey michael thank you so much for coming on as a guest i know that i i've pulled some things from it myself and i know that my listeners will as well so thank you again for coming on uh thanks for having me josh be well. 